Hello, and welcome to this edition of Expressions. I'm your host, Sierra Tavares Reyes. Today's topic, does God exist? Many believe the question is unanswerable, yet many others answer it quite easily. In fact, anyone except agnostics. There is little agreement on what God is. There is no proof to clearly indicate that many of the definitions of God do or do not exist. All known indications that there is a God or gods for that matter come from unverifiable sources, such as the Bible, word of mouth, traditions, or fallible humans. The notion of the term existence is hardly explained. The question seems too vague to answer. Many believe that this answer requires a leap of faith. Because God is ultimately beyond human comprehension, no definition will serve. Thus, it is hard for people to agree on the nature of God. Proof would reduce God to a thing, an element of many like stars, planets, or people. Thus, the search for scientific evidence of God, quixotic, at best. The only indication of God's existence that matters for some people is the insight, the intuition that God does indeed exist. This insight presumably opens a world of possibilities foreclosed to the mind of each individual human. The Bible, the, the seems misleading has long ceased to be word of mouth. It is the oldest continually maintained record of history in Western culture. It is not a traditional history in the 20th century terms, but its deliberate inclusion of embarrassing and damning criticism of its own people serves as a witness against interest, which is taken as a high standard in testimony. It is my belief to say that no, God does not exist. There are over 100 plus answers to this question, and I will add mine. I will start by saying a basic logic argument. Let's assume first that God does exist. So what is he doing? He is just getting bored across the universe and decides at some point that he needs a creation, that he needs a world to observe. Same like when you gather together 1,000 ants and observe them. What was he doing before Genesis? Why did he create us, the earth, the sun, and this huge universe? Now, let's use this logic. Most fundamentalist Christians or theists believe that everything has a creator. They believe God is that creator. And you ask them, well, who created God? They say, God does not have a creator. Your solution fails when it violates its own premise. To say that God doesn't have a creator is like saying that humans don't have a creator. We just appeared from dirt and a rib. Then how did black people appear or Asians? 
How did Adam and Eve create more children? Is God male or a female character? Now, let's ask these questions. Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? With these simple questions, the divine God becomes a simple illusion, a simple idea, a simple method to control world population. We always pray to God. We always talk with God. We always think about God. We always hope that God hears us and will help us. But unfortunately, nobody answers back. Have you ever heard the answer to your prayer? Does God or has he ever offered you what you needed most? But let's move forward. Let's say that we needed to explain God. Why, we, why do we need a God? Simple, to explain things that we don't understand. And humanity did that exact same thing. Since the primitive age, humanity used God as a solution to its problems. God was invented by cavemen to explain thunder. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. As an atheist, I often get asked this question. Hey, Sierra, if you're such a smart atheist, please tell me how the world appeared, how humans ended up on the planet. Well, I'm not that smart, but I'm just an atheist and I do not believe in God. I do not think that the old guy decided one day, hmm, I have to build a world today with universe, with stars, with billions of galaxies, and many more. Frankly, I don't know how humans appeared on this planet. In my humble opinion, I divide myself between parallel universes and some alien experiment. I don't know how aliens found or created us or how they look like, but you should first understand how big this universe is and how small the planet is. So in this next picture, you can find the Milky Way, our home galaxy. And right there, there is a small point in our solar system. You can barely see the sun. Our planet? No. Your house? No. Now you might understand how small we are, but I will continue. Here's a question. So why does your God why did your God decide to create such a vast space in order to put his human slaves in such a small planet to worship him? Another thing I don't understand is that in, the Genesis, in Genesis, it is written that God needed six days to complete his work. But do you understand what a day is, right? A day is the time needed for the earth to complete one rotation on its axis. So how, how did days pass 
if the earth and the sun were not created yet? How did he measure this time? In the Bible, it is written that God is almighty. So why does he need six days to create something? And why on the seventh day he had to rest? What kind of almighty creator needs rest? So even from the start, the Bible is filled with dumb information which makes no sense and has no, bears no logic. Now, a lot of Christians use the excuse that God works through people. Well, I say that this is fake information too because humans decide to do good or evil. Nobody sits on their shoulder and drives them uh, to make something. They, with their own education and brain, decide what they want to do. I could take a break now and drink a glass, a glass of water or go to the shop and buy uh, a Coca-Cola. All these decisions are mine. I dictate my own life. So where I try to get now is what we always use God as an excuse for our deeds. A medic does his job right and the patient is saved. Everybody says glory to God, but if the patient dies, everyone blames the doctor. Or some say it was God, God's will uh, for him to be taken. If an atheist gets rich Christians to say that Satan is helping them, if an atheist gets poor Christians to say that God punished him, if a Christian gets this rich community, I'm gonna say that he is blessed by God. If a Christian gets poor, his community would say that God is testing his faith. So all these really make me laugh. In the same time, they make me sad because we are all living in a world where something invisible and unable to be proven is more important than what we have around us. George Carlin says, to people that there is an invisible man in the sky who created the universe, and the vast majority will believe you. Tell them that the paint is wet and they have to touch it to be sure. Now, why is that? We are always fighting each other and blame God as a cause, but there is no God. Why? Because his only proof is a book. Spider-Man has a book too. Does this mean that Spider-Man does exist? No, it is a fictional character. Same with God. We can talk about him all day long, but he is as real as Spider-Man and Superman together. As an atheist, I found out that the only solution to my cause is to question everything. When I find proof, I believe. There are things in life that can't be explained but they will be. Tell it to someone living in 1850 that he could get from London to New York in just 12 hours. He would sure call the authorities and tell everyone that you're crazy. And here we are in 2019 where flying is something so normal and so fast. So it means that we will one day know the origin of life and how humans ended up on this planet. We just need to use our brains more. And the first and very first thing that we must do is to get united. 
all together, we can do this. We have to do this because if not, we will, we would destroy this planet and life within it. And we won't discover how life appeared on this planet, but we will know for sure who destroyed it. We'll be right back. As an atheist, I value life because I don't trust death and nobody returned from death tell us what he found. So that's why I know for sure that death is the end of my life here. And I don't get another chance at life. And that's why I try to be as nice as possible with everyone and it bothers me that mostly Christians are the most mischievous people. They all, they're always trying to prove that they're better than you that their religion is the right one and that everyone should pray to God. But why? Why do we have to pray and be slaves? Life is amazing. We should all take care of it and enjoy it as much as possible. Socialize, talk, share food, experiences, share our homes. Just like this, we can make everything better. Some people even confuse atheism with Satanism and think that I, as an atheist, pray to Satan and eat babies for breakfast. Okay, folks, if I do not believe that God exists, I do not believe that Satan exists. To me, they are both fictional characters. For those of you who do not know what athe atheism is, Atheism is a lack of belief in a God or gods. That's it. Despite common stereotypes, atheists aren't necessarily anti-religion, nor do they worship themselves instead of a God. Also, atheists don't hate God because we don't have a God to hate. We don't reject God because we don't have a belief in a God to reject. It is possible to hate something if you don't believe it exists. Atheism indicates what someone does not believe, but it says nothing about what someone does believe. For that, other terms like naturalist, secular humanist, and even pastafarian can connote the rejection of religion while also defining the substance of an individual's personal philosophy or worldview. Have you ever noticed that babies have no notion of religion? They only need shelter, heat, and food. And have you ever noticed that all babies in the first 10 years develop the same religion as their parents? Why is that? Because parents give them these sources of information. They take them to the, they take them to the same church as they do without offering them free will. Once the baby will get to be 18 years old, he can choose on his own what religion he wants to choose. And I am pretty sure that he will choose to be religion free, to study more and more. But because the only key to let religion down is to educate yourself, you have to read lots of books and experiment yourself. Once you do this, religion will, will be just another simple word for you. 
And I want to hit on another topic before I end this. Religion was invented by some smart people as a way to control population. I really recommend to all people that that um, are theists and are Christians, you know, um, to understand that there are many um, documentaries about how the world is dominated by a small group of people. There are many more arguments about how God does not exist and is just a fictional invention of humans. So why does God allow pain and suffering? It's already been called the worst mass shooting in American history. 70 people shot by a gunman, 12 of them killed while they were watching the midnight showing of a new movie. It all happened just 21 miles from where they were sitting. There are no words to describe the anguish being felt by those who are suffering today. And as many people say, their thoughts and prayers go out to them. There are so many tragic stories and so much pain. And many people are asking the question, why? Why did God allow this? This has been a heart-rending summer. First came the wildfires, which ravaged the houses of hundreds of the neighbors, prompting many of them to ask the same question, why? And those two tragic events are just added to the everyday pain and suffering being experienced in individual lives. There's illness, abuse, broken relationships, betrayal, sorrow, injuries, disappointment, heartache, crime, and death. And perhaps you've been asking the question, why? Why me and why now? That why question is not a new one. It goes back thousands of years. It was asked in the Old Testament by Job and the writers of Psalms. And it was especially relevant during the 20th century where we witnessed two world wars, the Holocaust, genocides in the Soviet Union and China, devastating famines in Africa, the killing fields of Cambodia, the emergence of AIDS, the genocide in Rwanda, and the ethnic cleansing of Kosovo. And the 21st century didn't start any better. It was 9-11, and now Syrian slaughters, and on and on. Why do all of these horrific things happen if there is a loving and powerful God? Why do bad things happen to good people? Several years ago, I commissioned a national survey and asked people what question they'd ask if they could only ask God one thing. The number one response was, why is there suffering in the world? We'll talk more about this after this break. Maybe you never ask why our world is infected with pain and suffering, but my guess is you will 
you will when they strike you or a loved one with full force. And according to fundamentalist Christian theists, Jesus said they are coming, unlike some other religious leaders who wrote off pain and suffering as mere illusions. They said that Jesus was honest about the inevitability of suffering. In John 16, 33, he said, you will have suffering in this world. He didn't say you might. He said it is going to happen. But why, if you ask me, why did God allow the gunmen to spray the Aurora movie theater with gunfire just two days ago? The only answer I can honestly give is consists of four words. I do not know. I do not have quote unquote God's mind. I do not share his perspective. Yet it is still important to gra grapple with the question of why God allows suffering in our lives, even though we can't understand everything about it. I believe we can understand some things. And let me give you an analogy. Once Leslie and I were driving from Chicago to uh, Door County, Wisconsin, which is that thumb-shaped peninsula that juts into Lake Michigan. We were driving up the highway in the dark when it started raining heavily and we hit dense fog. I could barely see the white stripe on the edge of the road. I couldn't stop because I was afraid someone might come along and rear end us and it was frightening. But then a truck appeared in front of, in front of us and we could clearly see his taillights through the fog. He apparently had fog lamps in front because he was traveling at a confident and deliberate pace. And I knew if we could just follow those taillights, we'd be headed in the right direction. The same is true in the understanding why there is a tragedy and suffering in our lives. We may not be able to make out all the details of why certain things happen, but there are some key, quote unquote, according to the theist, biblical truths that can illuminate some points of light for us. And if we follow those lights, they will lead us towards some conclusions that I believe can help satisfy our hearts and souls. The first point of light, God is not the creator of evil and suffering. A lot of theists like to say that. This answers a question you hear so often. Why didn't God merely create a world where tragedy and suffering did not exist? The answer is he did. Genesis 1.31 says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. But if God is not the author of tragedy or evil or death, where did they come from? Well, God has existed from eternity past as the Father, Son, and Spirit together in a relationship of perfect love. So love is the highest value in the universe. And when God decided to create human beings, he wanted wanted them to experience love but to give to give them the ability to love god had to give them free will to decide whether or whether to love or not love why because love always involves a choice when my daughter was little she had a doll with a string in the back and when you pulled it the doll said i love you did that doll love my daughter of course not it was programmed to say those words Real love always involves a choice. So in order for us to experience love that 
quote unquote, God bestowed on us with free will. But unfortunately, we humans have abused our free will by rejecting God and walking away from him. And that has resulted in the introduction, uh, resulted in, in the introduction of evil into this world. Some people are, are going to ask, couldn't God have foreseen all of this? And no doubt he did. But look at it this way. Many of you who are parents, even before you had children, couldn't, couldn't you foresee that there was a very real possibility they may suffer disappointment, pain, or heartache in life, or that they might even hurt you or walk away from you? Of course. But you still had kids. Why? Because you knew that there was also the potential for tremendous joy and deep love and great meaning. If God has the power to eradicate evil and suffering, then why doesn't he do it? Why doesn't, if he's so omnipotent, then why doesn't he take Satan out like that? That is the question, you know, I want to know. I want to ask you theists out there, why? And just tell me something. What does prayer do for a person with an incurable condition? If this person is on uh, hospice and they have six months to live, what is praying going to do? Is praying going to stop them? Let's say they have cancer, for example. What do you do? And then you have these uh, faith healings you see on TV from these pastors. You know, I always say this, I've said this a dozen times. If faith healings actually worked, then ambulances would take people to churches and not hospitals. What about a person who's paralyzed, who's deaf, who's blind, who's mute? How do you pray for somebody like that? What do you do? Is praying going to make them talk again? Is praying going to make them hear again? The visually impaired, is, is praying going to make them see again? Is it going to restore their sight? Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles. Tell me the difference between a prayer and a wish. That's what I want to know. But it's so interesting how people believe in this book. And people are not, a lot of fundamentalist Christians do not understand that the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. Okay? Decades after the supposed life of Jesus with no first-hand eyewitness accounts. The Bible is the only source of information on the life and times of Jesus, yet none of it can be corroborated without evidence or side sources. And the authors who wrote this Bible were anonymous, who we cannot verify to be credible. We'll be right back after this. For the Christian theists, I wanted to say that a lot of people are going to say that God is loving, okay? The Christian God is not loving, folks. Christians constantly rant on about how God loves you 
And God is always loving towards humanity, no matter what. They base their entire religion on this statement, really believing it to be true. However, if one turns to the Bible, this statement is quickly thrown into doubt. The truth of the matter is this. God orchestrates nothing but hatred, violence, discrimination, intolerance, and injustice from beginning to end. There is nothing loving about this God. And I will give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. And then you can decide if God is really loving. Rape. Yes, this God advocates rape, even going as far as to set rules and laws as how it is to be done. In Judges 21, 10 to 24, the Jews are sent to a city on God's orders to kill every person there who is not a young virgin girl. Every male, small child, and adult, every non-virgin woman, young and old, were brutally slaughtered. But God ordered them to keep the young virgins for themselves and rape them so that they could have children and ensure the continuance of their tribe. The same thing happens with the Midianites, except at first, all the, woman, all the women were spared. Upon hearing this, Moses becomes angry and orders them to slaughter all the non-virgin women because only virgins are fit for rape, which was in Numbers 51, 7 to 13. Now God gives laws on how to rape. Apparently, it was that important. If a man rapes a woman who is not married or engaged, he must pay her father 50 pieces of silver and she belongs to him. So now the poor woman has been raped and then bought by the man who raped her. You call a God who would advocate that loving? Deuteronomy 22, 28 to 29. Deuteronomy 22, 22 23 to 26. A married woman who is raped must be stoned to death. How sick and twisted is that? But it gets better. Murder. Murder is common throughout the Bible, accepted and orchestrated by God. Hosea 9:11 to 16, God states that he will slaughter all the people, uh, excuse me, the people's children, some even before they are born. Ezekiel 9, 5, 7, as God commands his people to murder all the people of a pagan city, including young girls and women and their little children. Jeremiah 51, 20 to 26 says, God sends his people to murder all the people of Babylon, including little children. Eating children. This is repulsive and unbelievably cruel. On a few occasions, God made and threatened to make people boil and eat their own children. Anyone who reads this and still thinks that God is loving and good is seriously mentally unstable. Leviticus 26:16 says, God commands people to eat the flesh of their sons and daughters. This happens again in Leviticus 26:29 and again in Deuteronomy 28:53. More cruelty to children. Psalm 137:9 says God says that 
Everyone who taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the rocks will be happy and loved by God. On a number of occasions, God commanded the babies of a city that was being invaded be dashed against the rocks. Discrimination. The God of the Bible was constantly discriminating against various groups of people. In Genesis, God destroys an entire city simply because of a few of the men were supposedly homosexual. He leaves all the inhabitants to burn to death, including the women and children. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus is constantly discriminating against the Gentiles, ordering his disciples not to teach them and referring to them as dogs. Don't the Christians always say Jesus and God are one and the same? Clearly, this God doesn't like Gentiles. The Bible is also um, extremely sexist, putting very little worth on the lives of women and girls. According to the Bible, a woman who had just conceived is unclean, and she has to go through various ritual, rituals of purification. This also displays this, this God's dislike of children. However, if the mother births a boy, she is only considered unclean for half the amount of time she would be considered unclean if she had birthed a girl. Girls are obviously considered less clean and less important than boys. Women were banned from speaking in the house of God, church, because they were considered unworthy of speaking in the presence of God. If a woman dared to speak in church, she was stoned to death. This is also why there are no female clergy members in the Christian religion. After all of this, it seems impossible that anyone can still believe that this God is loving. Far, far from it. The Christian God is not loving, forgiving, kind, or good. People who believe this are seriously deluded to the truth. The truth is that this God is nothing more than a program of mind control with the purpose of, with the purpose of keeping the world weak and ignorant to the truth. The Christian religion is always and has been false. We'll be right back after this. God does exist, then why does he need people to defend his existence? Why does he need people to stick up for him on an internet, internet debate site? Do you want to know how atheism can be destroyed? Is that if we had some sort of a tangible proof of God's existence, if we could hear him speak, if we could see him, that is how you would destroy atheism. Now, I grew up Methodist. I grew up believing in the Bible. I went to church five times a week and I hated it. But that is basically how my family was. I was not allowed to listen to secular music because we were told that if we did, we would go to hell. But I did it anyway at a friend's house 
but I just never really did it at home. I grew up with aunts and uncles, fathers, very much into religion, always quoting Bible verses to start off the day, always saying that God is good, God is great. And that's perfectly fine. Why am I objecting? Sierra, why do you care if God does or does not exist? What's it to you? I know what you're thinking. The reason why I care so much about this particular topic is because I'm tired of people being brainwashed. That is what I'm tired of. I am tired of people creating laws um, that are based off of religion. I'm tired of people using religion to discriminate people, uh, uh, discriminate against people from having their, their basic rights. I'm tired of every time when you watch court shows, people make you swear on the Bible. Yeah, I'm going to swear on a piece of fiction. No one's going to hold up a book of Harry Potter and say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you Harry Potter. I mean, these books are very, very similar, folks. Religion does not allow you to question it or interrogate it. If you believe so much what you believe in, you should be able to question what you believe in. Just remember that religion obeys borders and truth does not. The Bible was written, re rewritten, edited, re-edited over time. And you have so many different variations of the Bible. Okay? Only a lie has different versions. Does anybody not see that? So if God does exist, then why is it that we're using 911 to call when we have an emergency? Why is it that we're locking our doors when we go to bed at night and our cars to make sure no one breaks in. If God is watching everything, he's omnipresent. If I was in a pool, excuse me, if you were in a pool drowning and you couldn't swim and I was walking by and I could swim and I could save you, would you rather me save you or would you rather God save you? Why do pastors and preachers get murdered in their own churches? Why does God allow babies to suffer and, and people to starve in, in these third world countries such as Africa? But you have the rich people that are living in condos and driving fancy cars and everything else and drowning in money. Well, some people don't even have food on the table or clothes on their back. Where is God when children are being molested? When women are being raped? Where is God then? Where is God during mass shootings? Where is God in natural disasters? Where is God when someone's mother, father, grandmother, aunt, uncle, 
son or daughter is dying of cancer. So, is he omnipresent? You know, is he, is he really omnipresent? And when you think about that, is he omnipotent? Is he all powerful, but he can't stop anything? Is he too busy to answer your prayers? Is he ignoring you? What is the difference between a prayer and a wish? To me, it's the same thing. You want something to happen. You want to believe that something has happened and you're going to hope that it's going to happen. If God already knows what you want, then why pray about it? He already knows, right? And people analyze your Bible. You think about what actually makes sense. Talking snakes and virgin births. That a man named Jesus walked on water and performed these, these alleged miracles. Talking burning bushes. And then the question I was asked, if we evolved from apes, then why is there still apes? Let me answer that with another question. If Adam and Eve were created from dust, then why is there still dust? You also have to think about fundamentalist Christians believe that all of humanity descended from two human beings. How would that even be possible considering that the species would die out because of the incestuous relationship not to mention birth defects, etc. The Bible stated that Adam and Eve lived to be over 900 years old. How does anybody believe that, that, that humans are capable of living that long? I don't even know what someone 900 years old would look like. So you have to ask yourself, these types of questions. But theists are not allowed to interrogate their own belief system. Your preacher, your pastor tells you what to think, how to act, what to do, and who to vote for, and has the eternal bliss hanging over your head and has the flames of hell and eternal fire hanging at your feet to keep you in line and obedient. We'll be right back. what side of the aisle you are on, everyone believes in something, including atheists and agnostic 
and Christians and theists. But it's very important for you to interrogate your own beliefs or what you believe in. That's what makes the world a great place. If we were all the same, what would be the need of getting out of bed in the morning? Someone else could do that for you. But let's try to respect the boundaries of those people that are trying to communicate. Everyone has a difference of opinion, whether it be your friends, your family, your church, or whomever, your best friend. And we are not always going to agree on everything. And that is okay. That is what makes us all unique. Differences should not be seen as negative. You may not like what I believe. I may not like what you believe. And everyone has to agree to disagree. But sometimes there's a shouting match and yelling to the top of your lungs during a heated argument does not mean that you're more right. I'm Sierra Tavares-Reyes. Have a great night.